never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today, I've got Susie Hardy with me and I'm looking forward to our conversation because Susie, uh, like me, really, we are uh, children of alcoholics. Um, we have both um, had to realize that there is actually quite a lot to be said about uh, the intergenerational influences and the, the trauma that that happened to the generation before us and maybe generations and the impact that in it subsequently has on us on our belief systems and our core beliefs um and maybe also in, in the way we conduct ourselves and so we are not talking pure genetics here but we are talking actually about a very complex web and the influences that are are hitting us nowadays so Susie welcome to my show thank you so much Stefan pleasure mm. to be here <laughs> absolutely um you you are a woman who is nowadays out there to help others to live their life to the fullest um and typically we we find ourselves in such roles only because we have been in a bit of a darkness um and for some of us more, some of us more than others and some of us longer <laughs> than others my goodness yeah how did your story start oh okay let's see well <clears throat> i have always been fascinated with natural healing from from my mother actually from childhood my mother was an immigrant from slovakia She came over to the United States uh, right after World War II. You know, she had a very rough upbringing, but during that upbringing, she was very aware of nutrition. So I was raised with, uh, much like Europeans are, you know, good food, quality food, fresh juices. We ate for not just taste, but also nutrition mm -hmm. and feeling well. Um Also from my mother, I got a lot of anxiety and depression, or rather the propensity for it. It's throughout my family. I can't just put it on her. But I had my first panic attack at age eight. And in retrospect, it's terrifying. I didn't know it was happening. I was always a very sensitive child. But that was something that I've had to deal with, depression and anxiety, throughout my life. <clears throat> Western medicine really didn't help me. Um, I've tried all sorts of healing techniques, also because I was just a seeker. I wanted to know why this was happening. Mm -hmm. And I had an experience, also a back injury when I was a teenager that Western doctors could not help me with. It was just a soft tissue injury, but mm. I healed it with acupuncture and massage. And that opened my eyes to, oh, okay, doctors don't know everything. Along the mental health journey. Oh, yes, we do. I know everything. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Ooh, so humble. Yeah, yeah, that's right. No, but you're so you're so right. You're so right. Um, it is we we doctors can be sometimes a bit, you know, uh, in our uh, ivory towers there. And I'm sorry to hear that that you had such an such an experience to start off with there. Well, But, uh, you know. They know, you know a lot, you know a lot, and things are changing, and medicine is changing. Like when I was young, when I was a teenager, I'm in my mid-40s now, uh, I had I had to wait, six. I, it took six months for me to go to the, the doctor who wanted to give me pain meds, the chiropractor to crack my back. It, I just needed massage, and, and I needed soft tissue manipulation. I had sciatica, the, the, the tension of it was spreading up and down my body. And I went from being an athlete to being like an old lady. I couldn't even get up out of a chair. I literally have to push myself up. I was 16. It took me that much pain to go, I need to find something else because no one's no one's going to fix uh, this but me, or I'm yeah. going gonna, gonna to have to find it. And I did. And now things are changing. Now Western medicine embraces. The doctors are becoming acupuncturists and hmm. mind-body connection and energy medicine is all happening. But back then it didn't. And, and I was kind of left with no other choice but to find a way to help myself. So that carried over into mental health too. Hmm. Um, I've done all sorts of, and, and I became, uh, along that path, I became fascinated with it. I became a massage therapist and an energy healer hmm. as well, because it's just, it was a passion of mine and hmm. I, I wanted to help others heal. So I, I've always been quote unquote, a healer or fascinated with healing hmm. and it carries over into mental health. Beautiful. Wow. Um, 
having said that, I mean, uh, most most teenagers, uh, whilst they might dabble a bit, little bit with it and and buy some crystals, learn about chakras, and then a year oh, later, <laughs> <laughs> see a year later, uh, their their other things have become important. And typically, you don't make much money, uh, at least not as a teenager, as a healer. Um, so, what did you do? So, you became a massage therapist. Well, um, I, my, my, my true passion was acting and performance. Oh. And uh, I, that was my, I was a, major, a psychology major in college. I was a drama minor. And I, and one of the first times I went into therapy was my senior year of college where I was like, what do I do with the rest of my life? Like I was really good at school. I knew how to do school, <laughs> but I really wanted to act. I loved it so much on the stage and, and behind mm. a camera and, and I followed my heart, but um, I didn't want to just wait tables and bartend, which I which is great. And I did that for a long time in Manhattan. I moved to Los Angeles, and long story short, I got fired from a bartending job. <laughs> and someone I co-worked with was going to massage school, and I thought I've okay. kind of always wanted to do that. I had seen an off-Broadway show with a Q and A uh, with the actors afterwards, and there was this older actress, and she had done energy healing. Uh, I don't remember the type, but she, but she said, mm. you always have to have different interests. If you're going to be an artist, you have to have other things. You never know, especially with performance art. You never know which way it's going to go. Do mm. other things. And so I, I got fired from that job. I was with someone who was doing it. I said, I'm going to check out your school. And it was wonderful. It was one of the best things I ever did. I learned a lot. Um, the form that we did was based on Tai Chi. So I got to learn Tai Chi. Mm. And it was very it was very grounded in that most people just want their, their muscles rubbed, which I love. I've gotten hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of body work, all sorts. Um, but they also gave you the opportunity to learn energy healing. Mm -hmm. So um, that, that was my, my side job as I was uh, pursuing acting and voiceover in Los Angeles. I had my own private practice. It was great. And I, and I've always been an entrepreneur, so I wanted to work for myself. Excellent. Excellent. So you always were a woman who actually took action and was was forging ahead, uh, cutting yep. cutting herself away through the jungle, um, and uh, I guess taking opportunities as they arose. Oh, it's just yeah. cool. Which is cool. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, having said that, I mean that was anxiety and that was this propensity. But you were also alluding to to your mum actually having come from a very dark background. May I ask, was she Jewish, or is there was that part of you, or no? We no? we were Catholic, so um, I loved how you you know mentioned like intergenerational trauma and story and. So my my family's Catholic. Both of my parents uh, came to the United States when they were children, both Catholic yeah. and from Slovakia. Yeah. My mom was um, born in a refugee camp in Austria exactly. because her side, my dad's side was potato farmers and they just came, they got, they eventually got, the, they got out. Uh, when the Russians came in, they were like, we got to get out of here. This is not going to be exactly. good. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. the writing on the wall. Um, my mom's family was very wealthy and very democratic and very involved in the government in Slovakia. And when the Russians, Russians came in, they took all of their land, they took their money, they took their their possessions. And um, same thing, my my grandparents were my grandmother, my mom's mom, grew up a spoiled brat. She grew up with very wealthy for where she was. And they fled, they went to Austria, they waited for a visa. They had the opportunity or the United States, they chose the United States. They settled in New York and they were poor. They were poor immigrants. My mom um didn't speak it no one spoke English uh I she told this cute story when she went to kindergarten she first tried Slovak but no one understood what she was saying so then she tried German because she knew German too still no one knew what she was saying she gave up and she had to learn English um but they were poor and they struggled um my grandparents were abusive as many were back then this was in the 50s mm -hmm. you know um I think being poor immigrants also contributed to the household stress. And then on top of that, mm -hmm. uh, my grandmother was not well mentally. She she was never properly diagnosed. I, I think she had definitely had borderline personality disorder, possibly right. some schizophrenia. Yeah. And she kind of ruled with an iron fist. And she was physically and emotionally abusive to my mom and my mom's twin sister, my aunt and my uncle. And um, my uncle eventually, when I was 
graduating high school, he became an alcoholic. So it's, my grandparents were non-alcoholics. They did not abuse substances, but they were mentally unwell. Mm. Uh, my uncle became an alcoholic and died from it. And then years, years later, when I was about 22, graduating college, it became apparent that my mom was was self-medicating with alcohol, like, mm. like gone from, it was so rapid and so destructive so quickly. I mean, my mom was the, she gave me and my brother the the childhood that she had always wanted. She was a stay-at-home mom. My dad was the breadwinner. You know, we had a comfortable middle-class lifestyle in New York. She baked cookies. She cooked, you know, the family meals. She loved being a homemaker. She sewed us clothes. She was the mom that would go to school and the games and the dance recitals. I and mean, we had it pretty, pretty good compared to the, my other friends who had divorce and other mm. things going on. When I graduated college, that all changed. And it took... 14 years, uh, 13 or 14 years of that getting progressively worse. Uh, she was in and out of rehabs. She, and she had, she had had some sort of mental snap, some mental break. She had never, she had never gone to therapy to try to deal with her childhood trauma. Um, but she was always reading self-help books that that probably contributed to my <laughs> passion about the mind and psychology and mind body connection. They were always around the house and I was always reading them with her and, but she never really delved into it and, and like gave herself the the treatment that she needed, the care that she needed. Cause she had trauma. Hmm. Um, the stories that she told me about the abuse that my mom, my grandmother inflicted on her were just horrific. She was kicked out of the house when she was 16, her and my aunt, because my grandmother just kind of went hmm. and said, get out. Uh, and this was, you know, in the 60s, uh, in the 1960s in, yeah. in New York City, or sorry, wow. in Queens, New York. So she had a lot that she never dealt with. And there were a, there was a series of things that happened. She was in a car accident. She had empty nest. My brother went off to college. I was already out of the mm -hmm. house. Exactly. Uh, she had no sense of purpose. She had never gone back to work. Um she had a few things, her brother passed away. There were a few things that happened that contributed to all of this happening. And she was often running with binge drinking, mm -hmm. uh, numbing out and then having so much shame about that. And I knew she had depression and anxiety and questioning her marriage and her life. And she was just, she was, I mean, meant like probably, you know, midlife crisis for sure. Um, mm -hmm. And it was tragic because we really did try to help her, but she eventually passed from it when I was 36. So, mm. oh, sorry, 35. So 11 years ago. Um, I myself, when I realized how bad it was, and we had a small family, it wasn't very big, so we didn't have a lot of support. I was just becoming an adult and wanted to pursue this crazy dream of acting and knew that it was going to be challenging. And I moved, I moved to Los Angeles. And I think there was also a part of me that moved to get away from that because my father bless him is codependent was codependent um many times i said dad we need to do an intervention she like this can't go on and he told her he said she doesn't want an intervention i thought well duh who the hell wants an intervention? <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah so you can yeah, see, I, like i really want a root canal yes please please <laughs> yeah, exactly no anesthetic yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> oh, so he dear. was he didn't, he didn't know he was, he was abused too, but he didn't develop an addiction. Um, but he had an abusive childhood too. He was also an immigrant. They were poor when they left. They, they, his, his parents created a nice life for themselves, but they were very cold and mean. And so my parents didn't have it easy. They wanted to give their children what they didn't have. And I think mm -hmm. they did, but things backfired um, when we grew up and left the house and my parents had never dealt with their own childhood traumas, their own mm -hmm. and their own story. And and then I try to, I've worked through, I've tried to like forgive my, at least my mom's mom of the abuse that she inflicted. Cause it was, it was harsh uh, because she didn't have it easy. She went through, you know, fleeing country and leaving all of her family behind and hmm. God knows what else. Yeah. Um, but I've had to deal with that in my own therapy to figure out, I had it fairly good compared to, like I said, my friends that I grew up with. And then I tried in my, in my young adulthood was having all of, again, more anxiety, uh, panic attacks, depression, mm -hmm. being really hard on myself. Um, I eventually, I did go to Al-Anon, but I didn't find it really suited me. It didn't, it, it made me more depressed. Mm, interesting. Um, and, it, and it wasn't until 
I want to say about a year ago, where my cousin, my mom's twin son, he told me about adult ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, also a 12-step program, an offshoot of Alateen. Um, I believe in the 70s when Al the teens grew up that were in Alateen, they said, well, we're not teenagers anymore. We can't stay in this program, but we're still messed up and we still need support. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice one. Nice one. <laughs> and so um, ACA, Adult Children of Alcoholics, has just been wonderful. It's it explains a lot. You know, they they talk about the laundry list of traits that if you have many of these traits, you probably belong here. And I I probably have like 80% of them <laughs> where you're trying to people please, you're trying to control, you put yourself last. Uh so many things that I thought were just my problems for whatever mm -hmm. reason. It turns out no. It's the dis from the dysfunction I was raised in that I was trying to parent my parents. I was trying to take care of them. Oh. This is such a, a such a common scenario. If you think that the chemical addiction is one in three, maybe one in four, although that's probably already too low. Um, if you then say, well, you know, this is it, it affects so many children out there. It affects so many adults. It's sort of an intergenerational trauma that is being handed down and is often uh, multiplied by the new behaviors of addiction that are then um, sprinkled on top of the existing trauma that is already there. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my goodness. Uh, I have to add, I have to point out to the audience, too, that um, they have amended. It's not just adult children of alcoholics or or people with addictions. It's also of dysfunction. And when you broaden that, because I at first when I heard of adult children of alcoholics, ACA, I thought, well, I wasn't a child when she had her addiction, so this can't apply to me. But the dysfunction was there. The seeds were there. Yeah. And if you broaden that, I, I sometimes think, well, who doesn't belong in this? And most people have dysfunctional upbringings. Exactly. But, um, you know, if you leave, if you read their laundry list um, and it suits you, then this program could help you. Which is really, really good. Um, uh, you are describing it so well there, and many of us will probably find ourselves acknowledging that. But uh, is there not a place to actually say, well, okay, that is the past. It has happened. I now try to live my life to the fullest. Um, so is that not just being putting a label on? I think if you are happy and at peace and you don't have anxiety or depression and you feel you, life is in the flow then like you know it. you've survived or you had the tools or maybe it wasn't as bad to affect you um then yeah then you know you don't need the label but if you're struggling like i did with I um your own mental health and trying all of the things that you know you should and they're not working mm -hmm then there's probably some deeper seated stuff there. And, um, and the more meetings I attend, the more I realize, wow, this is pretty pervasive. It's a, it's everywhere. It's beautiful. And it's not to blame. And that's not to blame the, you know, I know my parents did the best they could with the tools that they were given. They were yeah. abused. I know my yeah. grandparents did the best they could with fleeing the ends of world war II and a, you know, communist invasion hmm. and so on and so forth. Like you could go back, like, like people do the best they can. That's right. You know, and you have but, to forgive them, but then you're stuck with the baggage. I feel like love it, right? Exactly. <laughs> like people now, um, especially since the stigma of mental health is being slowly lifted. Yeah. I think even when I was a child, and then especially for my mother, and especially for my grandmother. Oh God, she resisted. Like she went kicking and screaming, screaming to the psychiatrist because my mother and my aunt, despite the abuse that she inflicted, they were still in relationship with her. I was baffled. I thought, well, how could they still want to see her? And, and because it was horrible. I mean, hmm. really bad. Um, they still wanted their mother. They still craved hmm. that connection, even though she was abusive. Whereas nowadays, if they had gone to therapy, a therapist might say, you might want to consider putting up some boundaries. They didn't even have that terminology back then. <laughs> Put up some boundaries and keep yourself safe. It's, this is where the this is where psychology is just fascinating to me because we're still learning about it. 
you know, deep space, deep ocean, and the brain are the last three unknown frontiers. And <laughs> while we like to, like, we know more than we did a year ago, or 10 or 50 or 20 years ago, yeah. we're still learning, mm. right, Stefan, we're still learning about the brain, and so how it affects the body and our emotions and behavior. Mm. And all the stuff. I think so, the, the other um, thing to be I said like is no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You, you're gorgeous there. You you nailed it pretty much. But it's as with so many things, these breakthroughs that that happen, they come at the right time. And sometimes um, we put very strong walls up um, in order not to have to address that trauma from the past. And that might be abandonment trauma. It might not be that you've been beaten black or blue, but it might just be that that you your needs were not met uh, at a young age. And in turn, you build up these strong walls, you you paraphrase, you uh, create abstract kind of things that help you in your head to understand. And mm -hmm. with that, often there comes a lot of denial and a lot of, mm -hmm. no, this, that's, that was then, I don't want to deal with it now. So and, and this denial, I think that is the, sometimes the biggest, the biggest problem that you're facing. And I think you nailed it there. You said, no, no, I can't be, uh, I can't be involved with ACA. Uh, I didn't have a bad childhood. Um, so here you go. Now that you that you have that you're exploring those connections, how has that impacted on your own mental health? Well, one thing I wanted to point out was, um, or just bring up, you know, that made that something you said that made me think is that our how we are raised and how we are loved and how our needs are taken care of or not informs and affects our adult relationships, particularly our romantic relationships and Absolutely. our relationships with our own children. So if you don't take the time to unpack that, if you are feeling like you are struggling in life, you're going to, even though, like you said, you put up the blinders and have the denial, I'm fine, I'm fine. It's going to affect yeah. your relationships, yep. whether you like it or not. That's how the subconscious works. That's how our beautiful minds work. Um, our bodies are evolved to protect us, to keep us alive. But, and this is where it, this informs the work I do with anxiety with my clients in that we were evolved to, you know, um, our brains evolved to take care of threats that really don't exist anymore. We don't, yeah. a lot of us don't have to deal with predators anymore. We, we deal with bills and <laughs> romance and relationships. But the, but the trauma, you know, the way our brains work, you know, it's, it's, this is a threat. This, this, this thing that happened to me in childhood is a threat, or I was abandoned as a child. This is a threat. And I'm going to protect myself so that doesn't happen again. But then it cuts you off from experiences in life. Yeah. It prevents you from being present or seeking opportunity or taking risks or being mm -hmm. in healthy relationships. You know, we're, I'm fascinated by the fact that we're attracted to romantic partners that will bring out our childhood traumas it seems very cruel, like a cruel joke. <laughs> no, you're you're right. It is that's such a, a repeating story. We see it again and again and again. Um, mm -hmm. There's this father was a narcissist, and then you're seeking out narcissists um, as partners, you know, five in a row. Um, and you think, yeah. what, uh, what, how, why? Um, <laughs> yeah. Because well, the why? Because you're used to that. You are yes. you you have somehow linked love to that particular behavior so yes. whilst it is actually not the greatest behavior you at least know it and instinctively you're going for something you know rather than the unknown and i think exactly. that is that even, is even if it's painful yeah correct and that's that's so hard um at the same token, I loved it what you said that the understanding of your of the challenges that your parents and grandparents faced um, versus now you going out there and living your life to by your own definition and typically you 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 do exactly the opposite how you were brought up uh, with your children down the line um, or with your relationships. Did you experience that as well? Did you did you how did you rebel? I I remember hearing like you either do the exact same or you do the exact opposite. Um, how did I rebel? I think I rebelled in my choice of um, profession. Hmm. I didn't want to. I saw my parents. My father was a, a successful attorney. My mom was a homemaker. I always knew I wanted that, but I wasn't really sure. I really wanted to be an actress. I wanted to perform. I wanted to <laughs> do what made my heart sing. 
but it was a very challenging industry, especially as a woman. Mm. That's, I shouldn't say that it's, it's challenging for anybody. Um, Hollywood is not easy, (laughs) but I loved it. I loved movies. I loved theater. It just, it just, it made me feel very present. It was Mm. where I was. I found my joy. And I also, so I guess I did the opposite because I don't have children. I have fur babies. I have two dogs uh, and a husband. Um, oh, oh, oh. I didn't, <laughs> not in not in order of importance. I've husband. And two children. I don't have I don't have human children, is what I'm saying. I guess, I guess I did the opposite because I didn't want to, you know, right when I was becoming a young adult or was a young adult, this was apparent of my family dynamic, and mm. it messed me up. It really messed me up. I was clinically depressed because I saw what I felt like was a train wreck slowly happening. Uh, it took longer than I thought it would because my mom was really binge drinking <clears throat> and was acting out, was being abusive to my father, um, was driving drunk, mm. uh, was doing things that were unfathomable to me. If you knew my mother, she was this gorgeous, um, bright, funny, creative woman who loved her family. And yet, and yet her mental illness her her deep-seated trauma uh, you know untreated trauma that she was trying to numb mm. turned her into someone we didn't know and I didn't want to pass this on to my children mm. I felt like I I I can't have a family and be feeling this way I, I need mm. to be able to be okay and it's you know mm. it continues to this day the work work on it in my own heart and my own mind will continue yeah. to this day or can continue, I guess, for the rest of my life, because mm. that was trauma for me to watch her do that. That's true. So I went the opposite way. That's true. Mm-hmm. And that is not unheard of uh, either. You, you try to, you, you, you basically cope with in ways that make sense for you and there is no right or wrong. It is just it, whatever works out for you. And we need to accept that. Um, but I love it that you say that is that this remains a challenge. But it also remains an opportunity. I guess you have got all that insight. You have got all that trauma. You are now paraphrasing things. You're actually uh, finding a meaning uh, there. And I think that is the strength um, for children of alcoholics, because we have seen the darkness, uh, and we have been exposed to behaviors that we did not like, did we, that negatively affected us. Uh, but we are now working towards becoming different humans, better humans. Um, and that is maybe work that would have not happened had we not been exposed to the trauma. So this is really post-traumatic growth. Um, if you let it uh, be defined like that, but there's, of course, the, the the temptation to call yourself the victim and stay in that pity party. Um, what would you, I mean, do you experience that in, in ACA as well? No, uh, no more. Um, I, like I said, I was clinically depressed for many, many years because I yeah. felt powerless. Right. I felt absolutely powerless. I remember crying to my mother um, while she was drunk on her bed and saying, I, I need you in my, and I was 24. Mm. I need you in my life, please. Like, we need to get you help. I don't want it. Like, I, I want to see you at my wedding. She didn't mm. make it to my wedding. Um, and so it was very, very heavy. And I felt like it was, again, the generational heaviness of a lot of family members that was yeah. funneling through my mother onto me, onto my brother, my father. Yeah. And I, I I put the blinders on. I thought, well, I'll just take antidepressants and I'll just continue my life. And I'm 3,000 miles away. And it didn't matter because I knew what was really happening. It made me very sad, very depressed. Yeah. We'd swing back and forth, depression, anxiety, depression, anxiety, like mm-hmm. a pendulum. Until um, until I got to the other point, I was like, I this is this is what it is. Mm. I am not going to be a victim anymore. It's going to take time. It's going to take effort. But I deserve to find joy in my life, as every as everybody does. Mm. Um, and I had to develop ways to deal with that depression and anxiety. I remember some of the greatest advice I got from the psychiatrist because I had tried different medications, and they a boy a boyfriend I was dating at the time is like, "Well, you're not as depressed, but you're also not smiling. You're not happy." 
And I, then I saw this psychiatrist and he said, you're moderately depressed. And according to, you know, latest science, uh, three to five times a week of sweaty exercise is as effective as, as antidepressants. And I thought, thank you. Thank you for telling me that. I'm going to get my ass to the gym. So, you know, I think if anyone out there is feeling the pity party or feeling like a victim, yeah. not an empowering place to be, you're allowed to feel sad. That's the one thing I, 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 I take away from all this experience. We are the, we are the sky and our feelings are like clouds that pass. You know, we see this in children, children are smiling one minute, fall down, skin their knee, crying, then they get back up and run away and are smiling again. <laughs> Emotions, you know, I, I would get stuck in my emotions, not the happy ones, the heavy ones. And um, it's important to be able to manage these and find a way for you to manage your own mind, your own life, your own experiences, yeah. and finding your peace and your own joy. So like you are the sky. If if you have rain clouds and thunder clouds and a hurricane, it's just temporary. It'll pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I mean that is I think that is the, the beautiful thing to say. Even the darkest hour only has got 60 minutes. And I think that is that is what I what was so liberating for me once I figured out that uh, sort of waves of anxiety, well, they last 10 minutes, they last maybe an hour, um, and that I have got the choice of riding that wave, um, of experiencing it, uh, of you know, playing around with that wave in the ocean. Um, the, the wave doesn't care if you like it or not. The wave will still uh, come. So you can either surf it or you can dive underneath it or you can let it pummel you and experience the, the power of the water. Well, it's the same with those emotions. And I think by uh, disengaging yourself a little bit from the emotional impact and more importantly, not feeling shame or guilt oh my god why do i now have an anxiety attack i failed because you know i could not prevent that and all these kind of things my goodness um i'm glad you brought that up stefan because uh the shame that i felt around my own anxiety as a child and throughout yeah. my life yeah um so from the first panic attack to you know you know the the shame around so i was already feeling bad i was already feeling anxious and then i'd feel shame about feeling anxious. So I was feeling badly about feeling badly exactly. and piling on the negative, negative thoughts in my mind. Like something's wrong with me and I'm bad and I'm, Oh my, yeah. you know, it, it's crippling. Yeah. That was, that made it 10 times worse. Exactly. And we are very good. We are very good in that. Um, we always are the way we speak to ourselves. You wouldn't speak to your worst enemy, like the way you speak to yourself. So no, I, I am, I am very harsh on myself. And that I found was also a trait of ACA. And, and knowing that kind of alleviated like, oh, that exactly. makes sense. Because you're, for me, it was, and I think for a lot of people, it's like, well, if you, if you're harsh on yourself, you, you're not going to be hurt by someone else's criticism. You've already done it. You've already done your worst. So go ahead. <laughs> and but guess what? That makes life a living hell. Absolutely. But it's lovely the way you spell it out like that. You think, huh? what did I just say? That is bullshit. And but you need to spell it out. You need to actually work with it. And that is where, where indeed a, a coach comes in, or where actually um, a systematic approach comes in. Um, mm -hmm. It is the the journaling. I found that uh, amazing at times um, when I uh, when I wrote my steps to there. There, there steps to sobriety the first uh, the first <laughs> version um sometimes i had a writer's block and i i forced myself to do crazy writing you just write something it doesn't matter you just and i had at times experiences where my fingers were writing words and i became the observer and i thought what the hell is coming out of there what am i writing there and that is when i get goosebumps just thinking of that because that is when suddenly uh, unresolved trauma or things from your past come out um, and presenting itself had I not given myself that time and the opportunity to let that happen then I would have never explored that particular uh, memory that particular reflection it was it was beautiful was painful mm -hmm. okay I'll give you that um, mm -hmm. but that is where where we all 
have the opportunity to grow and it but we need to actually stop in our rat race and we need to actually pause press the pause button actually and just um feel for a moment and let a bit of of calmness come over you now coming back to you though i mean here you were saying your psychiatrist was saying oh okay you know sport is good for you so now you were running to the gym um these are all actually taking actions which is good you could of course also say where well, you're not running away from your from your problems where you're not running away and trying to throw yourself into crazy exercise um so that you didn't have to feel that you didn't have to think no i was still active and i tried when i say i have tried many 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 healing techniques and therapies i am not making it up so i wasn't you know, I wasn't just going to the MD psychiatrist for a prescription, um, give me a pill and make it all better. Because it actually, like I said, it didn't work. I, I gained mm. weight, I lost my sex drive, and I wasn't happy. If I if I if there was a pill and it was a happy pill and it was just like yeah, I'm it, that that didn't happen. Um, <clears throat> I also traveled back home to New York for a Christmas for Christmas and forgot my prescription. And until the the doctor could forward a prescription to a local pharmacy, I was going through withdrawal and what felt like many lightning storms in my brain, which oh, really scared me. Um, and I knew that. I knew that like I you have to if you're going to get off a of medication, you need to mm. be with a doc under a doctor's care and titrate down. This was not on purpose. I just forgot my medication. <clears throat> and seeing as it didn't work as much. I, I wanted to seek out, especially because I'd had that different experience with yeah. my own anxiety and my own back pain. Um, another example of, of when I experienced mind-body connection, yeah. when I was in college, I, I was seeing an acupuncturist for my, my back injury because if I didn't, sometimes with spasm, well, I was under a lot of stress. I was going through finals and mm. and um, and I went to see him and I I began, he was working on my back and I began to cry. And I was ashamed of it. I was like, I don't know why this is happening. And he's like, no, 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 it's okay. It's totally fine. Cry, let it out, let it go. And I was like, why is this happening? He's like, your mind and body are one. Absolutely. And if you don't deal with your emotions, they go into your body. Well, that's what we're releasing here. Never mind just the, you know, the muscles and the fascia are tightening up. But we also yeah. hold stored trauma and we still hold stored, hold stored emotion. Absolutely. And this was mind blowing to me. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay. That makes sense because of what I was feeling. Yeah. And so it's not just this is this is the mind and this is the body. They are one. Um, and so the the fact that the psychiatrist said that, well, like, you know, go move, go sweat, move your yeah. body is going yeah. to release, you know, um, happy uh, neurotransmitters is going to burn, burn up your cortisol, it's going to, mm. you know, bring you uh, blanking out serotonin and all the dopamine, and it's going to release that exactly. because we're meant to move. So, um, you know, and I could talk about that forever. It's just so many links. And so, yeah. Um, that's one of the things I recommend in my program, Serenity Schools. Like you can, especially for anxiety, you can lean into it and go running <laughs> and burn it up, or you can slow down and slow down yeah. your body, Chai Chi yeah. and yoga, yeah. um, so many things. But it's not just, we're such fascinating beings. It's not just one approach. Yeah. It's mind, body, spirit approach. I think of, of any kind of mental health balancing is that you have to take care of your body. You have to make oh. sure you're getting nutrition. You have to make sure you have support. Do your own work and journal, as you said. Yeah. There's amazing, amazing stuff comes out of just writing it down, getting it out of your body. Um, sorry, out of your mind. Um, get it yeah. on the page. And but also out of the body, because the moment you're actually releasing some of those thoughts and you you setting them free, um, suddenly there the you might feel a tension disappearing that was uh, previously really uh, affecting your body um you might feel a certain pain syndromes uh, changing you might feel autoimmune diseases uh, improving um uh, there is it's such a beautiful interwoven web um where it's so bizarre to imagine that we just in the past four are here two tablets a day and that will sort you out when you actually see all this linkage and all this 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 beautiful web that you can affect on so many parts uh mm -hmm. on so many strings on that web and that mm -hmm. is beautiful and that is that is where we we have got the opportunity to grow uh, but again you would have never realized all that had there not been the trauma 
So, you know, it takes pressure to create a diamond. Um, well, we all uh, rough diamonds uh, with the yeah. amount of pressure <laughs> that many of us have, have experienced. And yeah. it is it is beautiful. It is beautiful that the that you now can speak out uh, because those things that helped you are certainly able to help so many others as well. As others have helped me, you know, it, it's when you re the power of when you realize you are not alone and there are things you can do and to step out of your victim mode uh, uh, and, and follow other people that have done it or that resonate with you. Uh, yeah. This is why I love podcasts um, is, is just enormous. It's, you know, I think we're very cut off, even though we're more connected than ever. Loneliness is, is epidemic feeling like we need to be perfect is epidemic oh. feeling like we need to measure up and achieve. And it, it, it's too much. We're, we're humans. We're, we're, we're fascinating creatures. We're complicated creatures, but we we've, I think we're in this great time. Maybe you would agree with me, Stefan, is that this great time of, because despite all the things going on in the world is that we're, we're opening up our compassion in our hearts. Um, I see that now, especially after COVID uh, you know, life is short and your story is your own and it mm. good or bad good mm. and bad they're mm. always good and bad there's never just good or bad <laughs> um it is powerful and if, your your healing journey is your own i think so i i actually agree with you too um and i live my life uh, i try to live my life by the same uh, rules i.e trying to improve but then when i when when you say that actually we maybe we are getting better as humans to do so if this was really the case how do we explain the the black lives matter movement in the united states uh, the increasing uh, anti-semitism um the increasing frictions within uh, certain diaspora of of society um uh, when we say we are getting better uh, and in reality is are we not getting worse um we are what? getting better and getting worse. I, it's not a. It's not. A, it's Can you not make a, up your mind? <laughs> it's like this, right? right. It's, it's not a. What is that? Forty-five degree angle of improvement yeah. constantly. I think because of these things that are happening. Yeah. Um, I think we've gone through as humans decades of acceptance of certain things, and then mm. you know, sort of a mini eruption happens, and it brings out a lot of. Stored trauma. Black Lives yeah. Matter was stored trauma of exactly. you know, a population of African Americans for hundreds of years. Exactly. It's not. Some okay. So, do you know about heal, the healing crisis? The body's. I'm sure you do. Sometimes, to, the, may, even if I do, uh, but tell 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 the audience. Okay, so I learned this in the massage school. A healing crisis is you know if your your body your immune system is actually working and you're fighting something. Sometimes you feel worse before you feel better. That doesn't mean you're not getting better. Right. So, yeah. And I've experienced this myself. Um, yeah. you, we do not improve. We do not heal in any capacity, physical or mentally, in a complete, perfect 45-degree angle at all times. That would be really nice, but that's not how it happens. Too sure. Um, you know, it... it Sometimes it, it, again, back to the pendulum, it swings one way, then it swings the other. But I remember he hearing personally that especially around depression you know the capacity that you have to feel sad or heavy is also the capacity that you have to feel love just like you were talking about how nice you know, diamonds up on under pressure like the yeah. the darker you go you can actually swing the other way too but it might take some effort and i think we're going through i think various populations are going through that right now not it's it's yeah, you're right. I would agree with you. The world is kind of a shit show. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, 100%. I, I, yep. <laughs> but, but in my everyday life, I, I am blessed enough to be safe in my house, in my city. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm in a fairly dangerous city, but I'm, I'm safe enough. Um, I notice on a day to day of how people I come across, not always, hmm. but maybe, maybe, maybe I'm projecting my own stuff. Maybe <laughs> that could be, but, um, at least for myself, you know, I have much more. I used to, I think, when I was younger, kind of ignore the news. And now I'm like, my God, there's a lot of craziness going on in the world. Yeah. And I try to show up in my own, in my own life and in the people that I love 
supporting them, bringing compassion and to myself. Mm. Got to put on your own oxygen mask first and then help others. Mm. But equally, I see it as our moral duty to actually um, speak out, to be aware of the circumstances and to live a life where we might be the role models um, for others, to, to maybe even to have the privilege of being the light and the darkness of others. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing to do that at least gives you a chance to leave a legacy and gives you a chance to to show up with pride however whatever the past uh whatever cards the gods have given you to play uh you still show up and that is a beautiful thing and if we just all do that a bit more intentional that we live with intention and be there for ourselves i think we can actually build more resilience and maybe with mm -hmm. that resilience and with that that strength we can help others in in a far better way than uh if we just consider ourselves only the victim powerless helpless hopeless um and are content with uh not trying to do anything and just giving up i think we have got so many opportunities where you can right now do something about yourself and therefore growing but also to help others by by speaking out by uh pointing towards injustice um by role modeling a different way of life we all can do that and if if That's we if we can strengthen ourselves and like like creating alliances here we are um speaking out we have not previously met yet there is this 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 linkage there this this kind of beautiful uh understanding because we both believe that we can make this world a better place and we both go out there and we show up that is beautiful so uh, mm -hmm. there is actually so much positive coming out of trauma and i'm i'm sometimes just grateful to to be able to recognize that and so you're an amazing woman here you are uh, uh, having gone through a, a lot of challenges and now you're speaking out now you're turning up uh, it's wonderful i mean i really appreciate saying that because this is actually the first time i'm sharing this story <laughs> publicly um i've you know i was ashamed of it i was ashamed of what my mother was doing i was ashamed of my family falling apart i was ashamed of I was taking it on. I was taking on her actions. I remember I was dating someone and they said, well, what are the skeletons in your closet? And I said, well, my mom's an alcoholic. And then he said, so what, what are, what are, what are your skeletons? And I was like, ah. I don't think I have any. I think that's the biggest one. And I haven't even given my sp myself the space to have it. And so I appreciate you uh, giving me this platform. And, and the reason I wanted to share it, um, is because I do think it is so important and pervasive um, mm. for the the family of alcoholics, mm. um, how much it affects you and can affect you and, and the fact that you can find a way through despite the horrible circumstances, you can come out the other side. Mm. So thank you for having me. Oh, please, Susie, you're an amazing woman. But we both are on this path. And um, so we are constantly transforming. So I wonder, who is the Susie in one year's time or in two years' time? <laughs> Have you figured shall out we, who... Shall we schedule the podcast and find <laughs> out? <who you're... laughs> I like, oh, I like that. Who do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. I've been, I've been so many things. Um, we'll see. <laughs> I, mean, I, I want to I help people heal. Yeah. I, I did it for many years physically. I learned a lot by being a, a massage therapist and an energy worker. I did polarity and cranial sacral. Yeah. And now I want to be a support for people with anxiety and, and uh, stress because it's everywhere. Oh, well, yes. And I, I teach the program that I developed or the tools that I, f I found over decades, different tools and techniques to help me feel better and get through my day and mm. strive to succeed and achieve and that's what I, that's what I'm focusing on now. Um, Beautiful. And I also love to write. So I've uh -huh. begun um, writing again. I've, I've written some plays and some scripts and things like that, but I'm also writing just 
for fun and for me and and bl- I'm blogging on my website and oh beautiful <laughs> oh amazing if people gel with you and they want to know more about you and learn more about you and maybe get in touch with you where can they find you they can find me on my website uh, suzyhardy.com spelled s u z y h a r d y.com if they sign up for my newsletter um they will get instant access to my number one stress slaying and anxiety leaving tool it's a video tutorial that I teach you. I did not invent this, but I love it. It's a fantastic tool that's immediate, um, really effective and really easy. And uh, cool. they can find me there. And I'm starting some uh, videos on YouTube uh, at Susie Hardy Coach. Brilliant. Guys, look down there into the description of the YouTube video and of the podcast because all of Susie's links are down there. And what have you got to lose? You know, get in touch with her, check her out. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Because these are all uh, opportunities for you guys out there to grow, for you guys to deal with some of the trauma, maybe to reframe some of the the situations that you have experienced in your life, maybe to, to work on some core beliefs that are holding you back. There is so much work that can be done. Trauma occurs in layers. So does mm-hmm. healing. And you might have done some work. Uh, educated guess is uh, if you were to expose yourself again to more work, to more um, positive experiences, um, you will grow. You will change. You become a better mm-hmm. human being. That's my experience. And therefore, I I will not stop anytime soon doing this show because I get exposure to such wonderful people like Susie. And, you know, it is just you made me f- rethink already some some bits in my my past um, and uh, appreciate the, the privilege I've got today to to work on on some of the shit that is happening right now so bottom line is Susie, you're an amazing woman and i'm absolutely grateful that that you have been a guest on my show thank you so much it was an absolute pleasure (laughs) cool and you guys out there look after yourself and try to live with passion bye (laughs) i never give up i never give up i never give up turn around